0: Hello, and welcome to episode thirty-five of the Wasp Nest Podcast. I'm Kevin Gallagher, and I'm joined as always by Kieran Mooney. Kieran, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Kevin, yourself? Yeah, doing all right. Another uh, three points for the WAS at the weekend. Uh, a win for the women's team as well. So it's um, it's all good in the in the Aloe Athletic uh, universe, I think.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's much better. Last week we spoke about getting beat by Falkirk and the women's team losing their manager. This week it's. Um, it's back to winning ways for for both for both clubs in Aloha with a, a newfound way of winning. It's like the old Arsenal team, isn't it? One 0 to the Aloha.
0: <laughs> a good weekend for the club overall. Today's episode, we're going to look back on the victory over Montrose, and we'll also then preview. I mean, the the, the difficult, let's say, uh, t- trip to East End Park this coming weekend to face league leaders Dunfermline Athletic. But if we start by looking back on last Saturday, uh, only one change to the Aloha team, but there was a change of shape, um, a change that we we thought there was a possibility might happen, and that Mark Durnan uh, dropped out. Um, obviously, they changed to to the four four two. We've seen Luke Strachan come back in, but playing as more of a, a midfielder, and then our, our kind of standard two up front. What did you what did you make of the, I suppose the decision to drop Durnan, the selection in general, and the way we set up.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's a, it is a a strange one and I think we didn't really want to say that we wanted Durndon dropped because we've fought for so long to have him starting but when we narrowed it down to... I think, well, I certainly wanted Strachan to start and when we narrowed it down it kind of looked like it had to be Dernan just based off of the performances across the board and unfortunately for Vinnie, it was... Um, I mean, this just goes to show that don't come to this podcast for high knowledge or great insight <laughs> because it, it didn't work. Unfortunately, um, I, I, I was an ad, I was a big advocate for Strachan coming in. I thought he did really well off the bench against Falkirk, but him alongside probably a few others, to be fair, um, pretty pretty anonymous. And yeah, it was a bit of a slow, stuttering start for Alwa.
0: It was it was an interesting first half. We'll talk about that first half. There's been I've seen a fair bit of criticism um about the Aloe performance, you know, particularly in that first sort of thirty, thirty five minutes. I mean, am I taking it I didn't I'm I'm not saying Aloha played well. I, I mean I I'm, I'm not saying that for a start. I think when we when we got the ball back we massively struggled to keep hold of it. I think when we looked for our kinda of outlet pass in, we were then losing the ball straight away. But I have to say, to me that was all on Montrose. I, I thought the way Montrose played, I I haven't seen a, a team press as much as that. Um, I haven't seen a team press as much as that at all this season. Um, every single time they lost the ball, there was immediately two men round whichever Aloha player looked to 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 you know get get possession. And I, I, to me, that was the biggest contributor. I, I'm not saying that we played well in the first half at all. We we didn't. But I thought it was a little bit harsh. Maybe some of the criticism. When for me it was, it was more about how Montrose played.
1: Yeah, I thought Montrose started really well. Actually, I was quite surprised. It was obviously you could see how how well up for it they were. It was a massive game for for yeah. Stuart Peachy's side. I think if they went and won that game, they would have only gone a point behind us, and it was a place where they could come and put you know their own poor, poor form against Alawa to bed, plus also put our you know, really good home form to bed as well. And you could see that they were really pumped up for it. Unfortunately, for their sake, coupled with changes from our manager, which we'll touch upon a bit in a second, but just a really old squad blowing out after 35 minutes, it it didn't last. But I would probably agree with you, I didn't think Alowa were were particularly bad. Um, I just don't think... That we could we could deal with that Montrose press for the for the opening half an hour it it was relentless.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting how Montrose played. I, th- I felt after felt after about ten minutes, I thought, hang on, this is a this is a pretty good Montrose team. You know, they're pressing us all, all over the park, winning back possession. They look lively, and as that first sort of thirty minutes went on, I started to look at and I thought, actually, they're not doing anything with the ball here. What what I found was. Their work off the ball was outstanding. As I say, as soon as Aloha got possession, looked for an outlet. Montrose harassed and pressed straight away, but it seemed to be the moment they won the ball back. It would be one pass inside to either a central midfielder or or a centre half, and then it was just lump a long ball towards the corner flag. Now they'd obviously game plan to do that because they're wide. They they had players out wide for that. You know, they had a couple of couple of men up top who purposely stayed wide for that, leaving McAllister in the middle. But I, I remember sitting at, at half time and actually I looked at the, the, the BBC stats, I mean how reliable they are at this sort of level is questionable. But I think at that point uh, uh, Montrose had something like fifty six or fifty seven percent possession. They'd had seven corners. But I sat and looked at it and thought Jay Hogarth's not made a save here.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. Hogarth, you know, it was his seventh clean sheet of the season, which I think is pretty good stats. But the only really thing that he had to... Well, I I thought he was commanding. I thought he played well. But the only really big moment that he had to earn that seventh clean sheet came with seconds to go in the the 94th minute. Montrose were pretty toothless. And we spoke about it a little bit off air. And I think you can just look at their form since the turn of the year. Just one victory. They've digressed so much. Like, they're not they're a decent team on their day and as you can see they, they have potential to cause you problems but I don't think this is a team that are now in the in the playoff contention I think we can probably knock another one off the battle and I think we've we've managed to not us personally but I think just looking at the last couple of weeks we've managed to see just a couple of teams no longer part of that promotion playoff battle could change but Montrose, uh, Queen of South, another one that come to my head. Um, they're they're stagnating or they're going backwards, and um, yeah, I was I, I was disip- not uh, not disappointed in Montrose. I don't really care, but I think like um, in that sense, I thought they were yeah, pretty pretty poor.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I have to say, I know, I mean, I think that's our unbeaten run in the league goes back to about 1995. Now against them, but. You know, I, I think about the games at the start of this season against them, and I think about the games last season as well. Now, we've obviously done very, very well out of those games against Montrose. We have a, a very, very good record against them. But even in those games where we've either drawn or or beaten them, I was still quite impressed with the Montrose side. I have to say, on Saturday, I, I really was. I was. I was unimpressed by them. 35 minutes into that game, it, it, it started to change, and I felt the last five, ten minutes of the of the first half, Alouad had started to... It was almost like they'd weathered that storm and started to come into it, but the Mentros team were absolutely out on their feet. The the amount of effort they'd put into that first half hour, and I sat at half time and I thought, you know, it's nil-nil. Mentros have had the majority of the possession. You know, they've had seven corners. I actually sat there at halftime, and I thought, I'm pretty confident we were going to come out and win this. You know, I just felt... In that last five ten ten-minute spell of the first half, you could you could physically see how tired the the Mintrose players were, and I thought, you know, there's not many teams that are going to outrun out, out fitness this Aloe side. So, you know, part time or full time, it doesn't really matter. They're a fit bunch of guys, and I, I actually felt at halftime, despite not playing not playing particularly well, being dominated in the, the kind of statistics, I felt quite confident about our chances for the second half. The big kind of change though was as you kind of alluded to previously at half time some bold moves from from Brian rice yeah, it's not something
1: that we've really become accustomed to with with Chipper. I would say that we've had managers in the past that are very reluctant to make substitutes, and that's been you know frustrating to our fans. I don't think Chipper comes under that mold at all, but to make cough,
0: cough Barry Ferguson cough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I don't think we really need to to fill the gaps to know who we're who we're talking about. I wouldn't say Chippers unafraid <laughs> to make a substitute, but to make three at half time is 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 pretty is pretty bold. And I think LD was one that we kind of debated whether he would start or not. I thought he did really well when he yeah. came on, but to to bring on Adam King and John Robertson, who are we know good players, but. Aren't in the best of form potentially. That's why they found themselves on the bench to bring them in to kind of change the midfield. You know, it's it's a bit of a it's it's a bit of a bold and brave move. But fair play to him, that was kind of I thought Kingy was really positive. John Robertson looked very steady. Yeah. Like we know he can, like we know he is more than capable of, and um, it was good to see that they paid him back. But it was some good substitutions, and I'm 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 all for it because I don't understand. You know, managers that just wait and wait to make subs till it's too late. I don't know if that would have been the case in the second half, because like you say, Montrose seemed to kind of huff and puff and they would have been over anyway. But just hit the iron whilst it's hot, bring them on and, and give them as much of an opportunity to change the game. And, and they did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The three players making way were Luke Strachan, Murray Miller and Connor Salmon. And, and I I have to say the three guys that came on all all made an impression. Um, I think if we kind of go through them one by one, Adam King for me that that is the type of game for Adam King where we need someone who is comfortable being on the ball. You know, I, I've kind of said that before that I I quite like him as a player to bring on. Maybe when you're a goal up and the other team are are kind of you know starting to go, go get all over you, just someone who can. Who can come on? Who can take the ball in? Who's comfortable being on the ball? And and that was kind of the bit that was missing in, in the in the first half on Saturday. So, I I actually I, as much as it was as you say he's not been in great form this season and it wasn't maybe the obvious change. I actually thought that was quite a good a good decision. John Robertson for me that's one of the best games John Robertson's had in in you know a decent while. Um, I thought he was he was commanding in the centre of the park. I thought he played a little bit higher than we've we've seen him in that in that kind of role before. And perhaps because Alowa came out the second half and went straight onto the front foot, that helped. But I just felt when John Robertson was picking up the ball, he was picking up the ball, you know, sort of beyond the kind of the centre circle in the Montrose half. So it he was able to make a kind of a positive move. There was bodies in front of him. He could find a man like Sequen Coulson, something like that. Uh, but I did think it was it was it was the best Robbles played for a few weeks. LD was excellent when he came on. I thought I thought Luke Donnelly was was brilliant again. Similar to what I was saying about King, someone that you can fire the ball into and the ball's actually going to stick. That's what was missing in the first half, both through through Salmon and and Ross McKeever as well. And I still I still go back to a big part of that was how Montrose played. You know, whenever the ball went near either of those two in the first half, there was a man harassing him at the back. There was a man harassing him at the front. Ultimately, we'd lost the possession. So I'm not saying that as a, a kind of dig at Sam or anything like that. I just felt LD. I'm more confident when the ball goes to LD. It's going to stick. He's going to be able to turn a man. He's going to find some some space. What I did think was interesting was the shape in the second half. And again, there's been a bit of debate about how we actually lined up. Did we did we stay in that four four two? Did we change it about? I I kind of felt I kind of felt we'd went a bit of a an asymmetrical kind of setup in the the second half. With the the four at the back. I then felt it was it was a kind of you kind of had King and Robertson as your kind of central midfielders. You had Skugel certainly played a bit a bit further forward in that that second half more as the attacking midfielder. I felt Quinn Coulson was set up more as a more as a almost a traditional left winger, and then LD simply came on and and pretty much went up top alongside Ross McKeever. But then there was other times where Ross appeared to be up in his own with. Kind of Scoogle and Donnelly and Coulson to an extent all sitting in behind. I thought it looked quite. It looked a bit asymmetrical. It looked pretty fluid, but I have to say, I really liked it. Yeah, it
1: worked. I think fluid's the right word. I, I, I know uh, some people have said it's a diamond. Some people have said it's a four-two-three-one. A four-two-three-one. Something that we've not s- haven't seen in a long time. Um, I don't think personally. Um, the diamond is something that's particularly popular with. With Brian Rice But that kind of asymmetrical or, or overloading on one side Is something that we've seen Pretty regularly I'd say If you remember back to Clyde away I'm pretty sure it was Buchanan That came on the right hand side And we kind of pushed all yeah. our pressure Onto that wing I can't remember if it was Clyde away Or Open goal away Yeah you're right it was one, one of the two So we kind of tend to do that a little bit And it does allow When you've got a player like Scuggo Who is one of those players That doesn't really need a position in in that sort of formation. A free roam Montrose not knowing where to pick him up, who to pick him up, is where you get the best out of him. And I think that's where we've got the best out of, of Quinn Coulson as well. With he is, you know, traditionally a winger, if you think back to, you know, what the Cowden Beef fans said, um he yeah. came on most of the time on the wing and that's where he gets the joy for the for the goal as well. I think it's probably uh, time to, to give him a nod because I was pro- I was one that thought maybe he could drop out for LD to come back into the team because I didn't think he was pr- at his best against Falkirk but he kept his place he kept his place at half time as well and he was excellent on that left wing he was driving forward it, the, the, you know the yards that he would carry the ball the directness the bravery and the confidence to take take pops at goal albeit some of them could be a little bit more accurate, but you know we've said in the past sometimes we just don't shoot. But Quinn's just given us a, you know a bit of a, a breath of fresh air, and him on that left hand side caused Montrose all sorts of problems. And like you say, with that overload, with Donnelly you know floating over there, Scugo floating over there, it really worked well.
0: Yeah, I'll come. To, I'll come at Quinn Coulson in a, a wee second. I just wanted to 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 make a point. To... You know what you're saying about Skugle there. I, I've got to say I thought Scougal was brilliant on Saturday. It was yeah. one of those games where it was the kind of you seen that battling side to him. I tell you, he was in the wars as well. I think it was I think it was four times he was he was fouled, and three of them were not great. Put it that way. Um, I'll maybe touch on the referee in, in a second when we kind of wrap up the the, the review. But I thought Skugle was was kind of the he was kind of the, the driving force from from a little bit deeper I felt he was the catalyst at the start of the second half and indeed right at the start of the second half edge of the box hits an effort that, that comes back off the, off the crossbar he almost set the tone for for me for the second half performance from Aloha putting that aside I mean you ain't seen nothing like the mighty Quinn Quinn Coulson he was outstanding on Saturday I mean that is I said, to be fair he's been excellent since since he came into the team very, very under underrated signing. A bit of a meh sort of signing that we didn't really think we needed. But I tell you what, he has he's made a real difference. He's something just a bit a bit different in attack. Bags of pace. He's so direct as well. I, I like that about him. That when he gets the ball, his first move is to go forward. I, I really he he kind of as much as I'm saying that Scougall kind of set set the tone and set the tempo for for the kind of the second half. It was Coulson's running and his directness that, that drove, you know, drove the other side forward. You, you can't, I mean, you can't put a value in the work he did around the goal. He, he chased down and fought for what was pretty much a lost cause. It should have been, you know, pretty comfortably maybe out for a goal kick, that kind of thing, but he wins, he wins it back. And that in itself is, is excellent, but it's, it's to me, it's what he does next is, is the difference between, you know, an, an average player and a, and a, and a better player His heads up. He finds his man, he plays it inside to, to LD, LD straight into to King, and full credit to Adam King as well, it's an excellent finish first time with the left foot. Yeah, we know King, he's
1: got that, <clears throat> sorry, in his locker, um, he loves a goal against Montrose as well, but that was a lovely sweetened That's, finish, yeah. but um, yeah, the whole build-up to that goal, I think LD is one of those beautiful players that when he gets the ball, he's he's in the box. He, he should, most players will panic there. Most players will snatch at that. But he just yeah. seems to be able to like do everything in slow motion. It's obviously not in slow motion because it's, you know, touch, bang, out to Adam King. But it just seems like he's so composed that he can just kind of take it any stride and, and knock it off to to Adam. But yeah, like you say, Quinn's Quinn's done exceptionally well in that circumstance and so many times since coming into Aloha. You know, the goal, his first goal for the club and his first goal in senior football is coming very soon, I think. Or sorry, senior league football. Um because he's doing everything right. And the fact that he's played so little games in, you know, the professional leagues and that's the confidence that he has, it can only yeah. it can only get better. And I think I think Brian Roach touched upon it on, on Pine Bovro. We we're we're set up pretty well. Like the squad is the manager touched upon it as well, the squad is looking strong in terms of like having differentials behind the striker in midfield. Like Robo and Adam are different to to Murray Miller. And Strachan in the midfield And then you've got Coulson and Donnelly They're completely different players The only place is potentially striker And that's where Rodden we, we hope can be a, yeah. a, a similar sort of impact to what he was At the start of the season But touching on what you said about Quinn Yeah, he was low risk Signing nobody had heard of him yeah. But he's given us something completely different And I think it I think it can only get better As he just gets more and more games Under his belt at this level
0: yeah, I mean it was a performance that got a man of the match. He got into the SPFL team of the week as well, and absolutely deserved. I, I I thought he was very very good on on Saturday, and it's maybe that it's maybe that pressure of uh, or that lack of pressure of, you know, I, as you say, it, it was really it was a no risk signing. I I think the lack of senior football maybe that he's played is is perhaps to our benefit. Maybe he well one I feel he's fresh and you can see that he's lively. You know, his good legs and I'm good running. I think the other thing as well is he's maybe feeling like he's got a bit of a bit of a point to prove as well, and that's only going to work in in Alois favour. I think touching on on Brad Roden there is is quite interesting as well. I thought up top, I didn't think there was much. I mean, I don't don't think there was much from Salmon in, in that first half on Saturday. But as I say, to me, it was more to do with with how Montrose played. I thought in that second half, Ross McKeever led that line expertly. I thought uh, th- those times where he was. Up top as the lone striker. I, I thought he just he just looked so comfortable in that role. And we've seen him taking the ball in the centre of the park. We've seen him making the, the runs in behind. We've seen him going up out wide and going up the wing as well and drawing fouls out wide, that kind of thing. I thought in the second half, I thought Ross McKeever was, was, was very, very good on, on Saturday. But you're mentioning Brad Rodden. I think that's quite important. Brad Rodden has an opportunity here. I, I, I think the assessment that you talked about there and that Brian Roach has said is, is absolutely spot on. Personally, I think our squad is in a very, very good position throughout. Other than up top, is is just the one area, and it's a bit of a glaring area. And we know, you know, it's been unfortunate. We've touched before. It's been unfortunate with Roden's injury coinciding with with Kieran Offord going back to St. Mirren as well. It's unfortunate that we've been left with with really, you know, Ross and Samo, and then it, it's the kids, so to speak. You know, it's the young, inexperienced, untried guys behind them. But I'm thinking Brad Roden coming back. He's probably maybe a couple of weeks away I would have thought from being back it might take him a couple of weeks obviously to get up to speed as well but I've got to say I think there's a big opportunity for for him there for for now for the running to the end of the season because uh, to me it's probably Salmon's spot I'm looking at because I think Ross is a bit more I think Ross has been better overall and and Salmon is, is maybe is that player that's maybe just a little bit out of form but Brad Roden coming back there's a jersey there to go and win and I mean he could be a really important player in the in the kind of run towards the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and, and, and salmon he's he's got fourteen goals and he'll, he'll go on to score more goals this season, I'm I'm sure of it, and, and gain his yeah. points. But it's just the difference. it's just the differential, isn't it? You're just looking for something a little bit yeah. different um in terms of coming off the bench or in a front two and I think it's been touched upon a couple of times that Salmon and McKeever are a similar mould they, they they're not really yeah. that similar in terms of what they offer us but they just don't seem to really complement each other that well and um, having someone like Rodden and, and giving him a bit of a run or what we did on Saturday and change it up and bring LD in and do something with, with Quinn on the wing that's where we're going to see some some gains because it's a little bit too samey when Salmon and McKeever start up front together Um and and you're probably right. McKeever does so much selfless work off the ball and just those duels and those yeah. battles that allows players like Skugel, Coulson, Donnelly to, to work their magic as well. But I'm sure Rodden will, will be chomping at the bit to get back and, and there's still so much football left to be played this this season. Um we've got, what, ten ten games left of the of the league season. Um yeah. Plus, hopefully, some playoffs as well. So, um, there's plenty of football to be played and plenty of time to make yourself a hero.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of made a little comment there about the the referee. I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'll say is that Saturday was the worst referee performance I've seen for for a good couple of years um, at Aloha. I thought it was a a, a shocking. Performance from the official, um, someone who obviously quite keen likes the the sound of his own whistle. But I'm not gonna not gonna, you know, dwell on that. It was a good positive weekend for the club, and we said at the start a win for the the women's team as well. So the women's team went to it was quite an early kickoff on Sunday morning um at Ravens Craig. They defeated the motherwell development team in an absolute humdinger of a game at 4-3. Goals through Creek Amy Cully, Megan Armstrong, and savvy um, really good to see the women's team bounce back with a win. Obviously, great start to the season. Then went on a you know I think it was a three-game kind of losing run. We, we talked about Alan Savona leaving the club. I noticed during the week that, that one of the teams that Al had already beaten, Athena Glasgow, actually withdrew from the league, so it knocked off one of one of Alo's victories. Um, but really good for the for the women's team to get back to winning ways. And what was a I mean it sounded like an absolute classic of a game.
1: Yeah, I think that division is is so hard with with changes and and changes to teams in the division as well as clubs try to establish themselves. And I'm glad to see that it doesn't look like it's hampered us too much. I think um, Sean Black, who was involved in the supporters' club, has, has stepped up. He was with Alan just before it, and he seems to have to have stepped up to take the team on a an interim basis. And yeah, like you say, a big big victory, and good to see them get back amongst the. The goals and, and back amongst the the wins as well, so hopefully their season can just pick up pick up from from where it started.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Next game for the the women's team is on Sunday at home. Uh, it's a four o'clock kickoff against Bishopton. So obviously, best of luck to the to the girls for that one.
1: This Saturday, Aloha look to continue their winning run and make it to two, but they've got a pretty tough task as they go to the top of the league. Dunfermline, who are unbeaten in 13 in the league, their last defeat coming at the end of October to Montrose. In terms of games, this you know it doesn't get any tougher than this. They're five points clear at the top. They're fourteen points ahead of Aloa. They're a bit of a winning
0: machine, and will most likely go on to win this league. Yeah, they've been pretty relentless um, this season. I think the first half of the season they were sort of a bit, maybe a bit unfashionable, and um, they, they seem to be just just doing enough without blowing any teams away. And then the last game at the Rex actually was was probably about the first time this season where. They've really went out and thumped a team. You know, they beat us it was three 0 or three one that day, I can't remember. But from that point they've kind of I would say they've been a little bit more open. Um and you've seen them go into to games and, and, and put teams away probably a bit better. They've just been they've just been absolutely relentless. You know, you look at the their kind of stats, you mentioned the defeat of Montrose, it's their only their only defeat of the season. They have they have drawn a fair few games. I think they're joint most Drawing team in the in the league along with um, with Montrose with eight draws so they have there's been a, an odd stutter here and there and I think they've had a couple of draws against a um, couple of draws against Clyde they've had a draw against Peterhead when they were two 0 up where well, I mean pretty much with seconds to play kind of thing so th- there's been an odd stuttering step here and there but the, the bit that kind of stands out for me with them is the 25 games they've scored 42 goals which is is actually same okay we've played a game more but it's the same amount of goals as as ourselves however they've only conceded 16 goals all season compared to 35 for ourselves and and that pretty much right there is is kind of the difference between the two teams you know you look at those you look at those those goals against if you know if, if had a similar level of of kind of defense of 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 goals conceded you're probably looking at our eight defeats if you maybe got rid of maybe five of those all of a sudden you're you're right on the same points with them Fairland. I just think they've been they've been solid at the back and they've just been relentless in, in in putting teams away
1: yeah there's like you say they've been finding a way to to get victories and I think th- it was quite a defining moment in the season. Well, we'll yet to see if it if it truly is. But you know, last week or the week before last, when they came from three 0 behind to to beat Airdrie four three, yeah. on the week that Falkirk dropped points against ourselves, and that kind of just felt like, you know, if Falkirk were ever going to close the gap, it was going it was going to be that week. They were moments away from. Beating us at the at the Rex and Dunfermline were three nil down, and the way that it's ended up, at have equalised and Dunfermline have have turned it round. And yeah, like you say, they've had a couple of funny results that they've drawn against Clyde. And you know, you look back to the games at the start of the season, like the the uh, League Cup and the first league game of the season, and Alwa really challenged yeah. well and they were decent decent games, but they just seemed to find a way to get their noses in front, get their you know their foot over the line and I think Saturday is going to be a hard game because I do think this is the team that will go on to, to win the division. But it's um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they're a better side than the one that we faced at the start of the season.
0: I, I agree with that. I think I mean you have to give James McPate credit. He's he's not a guy. I'll be honest, I really rated as a as a manager from his kind of time at Dundee and stuff. I think with Dundee he he stuttered to get them up and and promoted and then obviously things went wrong the the following season but you have to give them full credit. I think Dunfermline have went about their business just in quite a quite a a quiet, unassuming kind of manner. You've not you're not hearing you know you're not hearing a lot from from Dunfermline, you're not hearing a lot coming out of that camp. to me that gives you the impression that McPake's got them really well drilled. Um, and just has them all kind of kind of singing from the same hymn sheet. That they're there. They all, I feel like all the Dunfermline players know exactly what their what their role is, what their job is. You know, come a Saturday, I think they've had a couple of standout players so far this season. Benedictus is one that that instantly instantly springs to mind. And and that side, I think Todd as well has been has been excellent. But I just think on the whole, they're just McPake has them very very well drilled. Has them all knowing exactly what they need to do, what they're supposed to do. And I think that McPake has to take a lot of um, a lot of the plaudits for the, the success they're having. It's saying that it's only five points the gap at the top. And I suppose you could look at the, the Falkirk side of things on that. And, you know, Falkirk have been on a, an incredible run. And kind of the opposite of Dunfermline, we, we've been hearing all about how great a run Dun, uh, Falkirk have been on. And they've obviously got the cup run going on at the same time. And despite being on such a, a, a great run of form, you know, on the other side, the the, the club manager bridge. In that time period, of the last sort of you know, kind of eight to ten games, they've only really clawed back, probably a couple of points on on Dunfermline, and that probably tells you a lot about how Dunfermline have have went about things. In saying that, it's only five points a gap at the top. They have still got to play each other twice, so I, I I suppose my not so much clutching at straws, but looking for looking for where maybe Allo can get a bit of an edge. There's a couple of things I think. One, it's it's a bit of a shot to nothing game, you know. I think the expectation is that the the league leaders, fourteen points ahead of us, they should beat us on Saturday. It, it's through there; they they should win it. So there's no pressure on on Aloha to get a result. There's there's a lot less expectation of Alwa to get a result. So I think there is a bit of a, a shot to nothing on it. And I suppose the only other wee bit, I think, you know, it's it's now back and technically it's back in Falkirk's hand. Will there be a wee bit of nerves creep into the Dunfermline side and in, in this running? I suppose they're the kind of bits that it is a little bit clinging to looking for places to to find a bit of hope, uh, uh, how we could possibly get something out of this. But I, I think in the whole, I think Dunfermline have been have been excellent. I've said for probably the last couple of months now that I expected them to go on and 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 win the league. Um, I I still I still believe they will, and I think they they would be if they do do that. I think they'll be worthy worthy champions.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that Dunfermline have been quietly going about your business and I think that's probably also an indicator of what Falkirk fans are like on social media as well which is, um, <laughs> which is always interesting but what I would say about Aloha teams of the past is they they like to have their say in title races that they're maybe not quite involved in Um if you think back to the the Air United Wraith Rovers one, we played a very key role in that and then just kind of snuck up from the back and, and bagged our own place in the Championship as well. And I'm sure the Alwa players will be looking to do something similar on Saturday. Where I take a lot of encouragement from the last couple of weeks is, you know, obviously on, at the end of January, we, we got a bit of a hiding from Airdrie, got beat 4-0. But since that, we've had, you know, two 1-0 victories and we've won one with Fulker, kind of 1-0 defeat. But what is kind of seen from, from February is the defence has really shored up. And I think that's really important going into Saturday, that we keep some stability there. Um, because when you look at Dunfermline, Craig Whiteon 12 goals. Todorov, 10 goals. McCann, 7 goals. Todd, 9 goals. They've just signed Paul McGowan, albeit not played a lot of football goal threat you know there's elements in that Dunfermline team all over so it's important that we continue to be hard to break down
0: yeah absolutely i think you're right to highlight that as well and i would say the improvement in the in the defence we we were pretty leaky in that first half of the the season so it it despite not not being i don't know what's what's i mean I i'm not sure what's been the the, the kind of the catalyst for that, I would say in, in that sort of running games we're talking about, we have played with a much more settled shape. We've seen less changing about. And saying that you look at Saturday when we did change the shape and, and we did we did look pretty strong defensively as well. Um did Mark Dernan come back into the the team. Has that had an influence? Now he's maybe not been he's maybe not been a standout in terms of his, his own performances. I think bar the the Falkirk game at the Falkirk Stadium, I think he has played he has played well. Um it, but it's maybe not his individual performances, but it's also what he's bringing to that backline. He's, you know, what's he doing in improving, organizing it? Is he taking a bit of pressure off the like sustainer? You know, is is that his presence there? Has that been part of the contribution? I think it probably has. Um, I think the fact that we've just been a bit more settled in in that area has has been a big difference. And as you say on Saturday, it's it's an absolute must that they are they're you know we're we're watertight defensively. It's the kind of game you look at the injury one. You know, we we concede right at the start, a couple of goals down early. And, you know, that happens on Saturday. I, I don't see us coming back from it. On, on the other side, similar to how we've we kind of been against Falkirk in the game, certainly at the Rex, you know, we shut them out that first half hour, you know, the first 35 minutes or so. And I start to then see Aloa coming more into the game. And I could see something similar on Saturday.
1: It's an interesting one that I've seen on Pine and Bovril that uh, somebody said that Aloa are... are... You know everybody's apparently known this, and you know it's common knowledge. Alwarra better with with four at the back, and and that kind of got me thinking that I didn't necessarily think that or believe that. And if you were to ask me, and we'll get onto a bit of a team predictor now, I wouldn't go with four in the back. I would go to five because I think it has been effective for the season. I think it would allow us to bring Durning back into the team. And you would have Church and Doyle as your wing backs, giving you you know positivity going forward. But it would give you some solidity between you know Durne and Stanger, and, and Taggart as a as a three, which would effectively fall back to a five when we're under the cosh a little bit. So I found that comment interesting. I like the versatility and the and the, the way that we can change it. But I don't think we're a better team with with four at the back. And and for this game at East End Park, I would go back to five.
0: It's an interesting debate. I, I, for me, the, I think we're, I, th- I think we are, more, I think we're more, more solid. I, I prefer us defensively with three, with the the back three, the back five. I, I actually do prefer that. What, what I would say is, we've then seen quite a few occasions this season where, you know, if we, if we play that extra man at the back, it's midfield. But you know, we've always got the two up top, so it's midfield. That's where that man comes from. What I'd say is that the times we've played with the, the the back, you know, the three centre halves, there has been a number of occasions this season where we've been completely overrun in the middle of the park, and maybe that's contributing to the feeling that that we're not as good in in that shape. I think from a defensive standpoint, I think we're we are better in that shape. I think we have, you know, when, when we have the three centre halves there, I think we have three depending on how we say I have if Daniel Church is there or not. But I'm taking Church out, out of that. I'm thinking more of a a back three of the likes of 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 a Taggart Stanger, Dernan or an Andy Graham, you know, you know, three of those four in there. That to me is, is three, you know, physical. Um maybe not on Andy's case, but with the rest, you know, decent pace, certainly with, with tags and Stanger. If they're playing in the the, the the sort of the outside of the three, you've got then good pace in your centre and halves as well. And you can have an Andy Graham or a Mark Dunn that's that's perhaps not as not as quick sitting there in the centre. I think we're better organised with with having that setup. But it is that that missing that man in midfield has on a number of occasions has really, really hurt us and we have been completely blown away in the centre of the park. I think with a with a back four, um, I don't think we lose out massively in terms of how solid we look defensively, but I do I do think we're not quite as as kind of tight when it's when it's the four. I think you have the risk then that you maybe you can potentially get a little bit less out of your. I mean, what would have been wing backs are now full backs, so you're maybe getting a little bit less from an attacking point of view from from those those full backs. Um, and I think for for the how narrow we typically play in midfield, you know, those full backs are pretty pretty important. So I, I guess you miss out a little bit then the balance for me is you have that extra man in the in the middle of the park. And I think as a as a four in midfield, I can't think really of an occasion this season where we've been uh, you know, visibly overrun in the centre of the park. So it's a bit of a balance for me. I, I I've got to be honest, I'm 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 a big fan of of the shape of, of three centre halves and, and having the two wing backs. I do like that as a shape. I've got to say I'm 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 kinda edging towards going with a back four on Saturday though.
1: It's interesting because it's probably drawing the fine line between nullifying Don um which I think their key yeah. threats going forward are Josh Edwards and Aaron Comrie and their front three of White and Todorov and Richie Holser. I think if you look at a Don team, the weakest point of that is probably like the centre of midfield. I know Matty Todd is their excellent player, but he's he's alongside Joe Charmer, someone who has struggled against us this season uh, personally. So it's a, if you kind of play the the back five, you nullify the Edwards and Comrie in theory. Um, if you play the the, the diamond and the, the back four, then that's probably you enhancing your own chances of imposing yourself in the game because then we take control of the midfield and that could potentially change the dynamic of the of the game. That would be brave, I think, and it would be bold to yeah. go to East End Park, somewhere that you know they've not lost in a very long time and you know, want to dictate the game and I wouldn't put that past the manager though because he has full confidence in his team and I know we've kind of bigged up Dunfermline at the start and, you know, they are a bit of a winning machine but they're, they're you know, like you say, they're, you know, they've dropped points they're still there to be to be got at so it is, it's an interesting one to see how, probably how brave Brian Rice is on Saturday
0: I think you're absolutely bang on with that. And that's kind of where my thinking is. And I suppose part of that is because I am approaching this as a bit of a shot to nothing. And I I would, uh, my kind of feeling in that kind of game is I'd much rather see us, you know, go and and try and impose ourselves, have a go at them and maybe go down by by a couple of goals rather than sitting in trying and nullifying them. You know, you do that for 80 minutes and then, you know, Dunfermline find a way anyway and and get a goal. And by that point, it's too late to, to try and, you know, change how you're playing and come back into it you know we could go out and and try and be more positive and you end up with another kind of Airdrie situation that's obviously a a disaster I'm not expecting that I don't I don't expect us to to perform again this season in the in the manner that we did against against Airdrie um I think you you know you're highlighting Joe Chalmers and that that's kind of the kind of a bit of the key for me I think from the other point of view Joe Chalmers is a player that was I mean he was every Dunfermline fans you know favourite boo boy, you know, he was public enemy number one around East End Park, uh, you know, last season. You look at this season, although he's maybe not been fantastic in the games against us, he has actually had a pretty good season and he's played pretty well and he's probably silenced quite a few of the, the, the kind of his, his critics in the power support. What I would say though that the kind of the impression I get is over over the last maybe month or so that's maybe changed a little bit and, and Chalmers has maybe regressed back to what we've seen a little bit previously for him and and that's maybe the bit there that i think you know todd in the middle is is an outstanding footballer for me he's a guy who should be in the the league one team of the year i think he's been he's been absolutely brilliant it's it's charmers alongside him and that's my thinking is get that extra man in midfield and and almost try and you know get on top of him and 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 have a go you know have a go on saturday and really have a go at them i i feel like i feel like we've got nothing to lose on saturday and even if we came out, we we're getting a three or four goal hammer, and yes, it's it's a bit of a disaster from, you know, what we've seen with the likes of the Airdrie game. But it's kind of you know you're playing a team that's 14 points ahead of you, top of the league, that everyone's favourites to to win the championship. They've beaten us twice this season already. It's kind of if you get beat three or four nil, well, you get beat three or four nil. You, you, we're not going to our season's not going to be measured on our games against them, firmland. So go out, have a go at them. Even if you end up getting a point out of it, brilliant. It's a point more than. Than in most people's view, Aloe will be expected to take on Saturday.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of debate. I think for me, I would probably would try and, similar to how we, say we approach Falkirk games and, and yeah. frustrate them for the start, and then be able to. To impose ourselves in that way, I, I take it from the way the way you're talking. I don't think we need to go through position by position, but I seen somebody comment on Pineborough that they would start the same team that started the second half. Is that kind of how you're swaying towards?
0: I I don't think it's a bad shout. I really don't think it's a it's a bad shout at all. Um, I mean it that's with that. I'm I'm then making I'm saying Ross and LD are playing up top. That's my kind of two up top, but I'm. You know, LD very much in a in a kind of floating role. Um, I am in that setup. I'm putting um, I'm putting Scugl further forward. I, I want to see. I, I'm liking as much as I, I really like School in the middle of the park because I think when he gets that mentality of 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 you know being really up for a battle in the middle of the park, he, he plays really well. But I, I think having him maybe in that 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 you know one step forward behind the front two, he just. The last couple of weeks you know we've seen his effort against i think it was him that had the effort against Falkirk that hit off the the bar of the post the start of the second half on Saturday he hits an effort from outside the box that hits the bar i'm I'm preaching this that we need to be shooting more in and around the edge of the box and scuggle to me is the player that that has been showing that he's willing to do that so i am I am thinking that my my probably my probably one question is maybe adam King um, I'm not sure if I'd if I'd stick Adam in there on Saturday from the start. Probably a player that I would expect to to be involved at some point, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain I would have him in at the start. If it wasn't to be Adam King, I'm I'm then kinda looking. Money Miller is, is probably the obvious one that would go in there. I'm kinda at the back of my head, I'm thinking is is Kev Colley anywhere near a return? If, if Kev Colley was fit to start a match I would, I would bring Kev, Kevin Colley in now that might mean that he plays that Scoogle role in front of Scoogle drops back at the same time I'd I'd, I'd quite happily put Kevin Collie in the in the middle of the park alongside Robbo as well and let him be able to drift out to the right hand side and then Quinn Coulson to me is a guy he has to start um, what position he plays I think is, is quite an interesting question could he play, there was a suggestion he was maybe playing further forward up top in the second half I didn't really see that he certainly he's obviously had time in behind the front too, and we've seen him a lot out wide on the, the Saturday. A kind of a kind of yeah, kind of like the way we started the second half, and and that almost we we Coulson in that asymmetrical role. I think you then have the option as well that you can kind of I suppose without the ball you can drop that to a one up top let LD drop in deeper. Or drop out to the right, or if Scoolgels in behind, maybe he drops out to the right and Quinn Coulson plays as that left winger, and we can have a period there of a as a sort of four-two-three-one as well. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be against us start on how we we started the second half on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I don't think you'll get many you know supporters dis- disagreeing with you, and I think if the manager went with that, even the ones that did disagree would not really have much to to stand on. I'd, Person, I probably, I've, I've said that I would start back five, so that means we can't start the way that we started the second half. Yeah. I think Robbo does come in. He's, 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 you know, probably he said that was one of his best performances. I think for me, he's still to <laughs> eclipse his East end. Um, Park substitute at the the very start of the season I thought he was really really good that day as well so for me he comes in to kind of give you that experience and I agree that Adam King albeit you know the hero on Saturday might potentially lose his place just in terms of what type of game it is and I think if you are dropping back to a back five it would be Kingy that's sacrificed for say you know Durnan to come to come back in but I think you know the players that Adam included that came off the bench on on Saturday. They've you know they've earned their right to to get a start on Saturday, and if they do, it, even though I I wouldn't do it, I don't think I could really be too dis, disgruntled. It's a big afternoon for for Quinn as well. Um, I'm a I'm a massive fan, so it does sound like I'm being negative, but the you know the the quietest game he's had and the manager said it himself to be fair so I'm not going against the, the yeah. grain was Falkirk away um, this is a similar sort of of vibe to Falkirk away um, it's a similar sort of atmosphere a similar sort of kind of calibre of opposition shall we say so it, it's an opportunity for him to kind of showcase himself on, on a bigger stage and hopefully start to you know get, get his name on the score sheet because I'm just waiting for there's just something written in the stars that the X-Race Rafe Rovers kid is going to have a say in uh, the title race between the two of them. So I'm expecting him to... I'm, I'm, expect, I'm absolutely expecting him to play, but I'm expecting him to make a, another impact like he did against Montrose.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I think that would go down well in uh, Kirkcaldy if he managed to get the winner on on Saturday against Dunfermline. I, I think, um, I think it, it, it's going to be interesting where Coulson plays because if he does... Play him in that role where he is drifting out, you know, a lot to the left hand side. I think that then takes away. I think that takes out the option really of having Strachan playing. I think if um, if Coulson sets up as let's say as the as the central attacking midfielder, I think you've then got an argument you could put Strachan in to that midfield. That that could be your replacement for King potentially, someone who who can play central but drift out to to the to the to the left hand side. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting how how Quinn Coulson because it I mean it'd be madness if he doesn't start so I think everyone is expecting to start I think where he plays is is you know is really interesting now because of what we've seen particularly on Saturday but I hope he just goes out and you know play without fear we've seen you know as much as the I think there's now about nine points between or nine or ten points between Falkirk and, and Airdrie and Airdrie actually dropped down. To, uh, to, to fifth, but I still I still kind of see Dunfermline, Falkirk, and Airdrie as as the best three teams in the in the league. Um, I think Dunfermline are, are are slightly ahead of the other two, but then there's there's not much between them. Now we've seen when Coulson came on, potentially might have been his debut in that um, in that Airdrie game in the second half. He was yeah. actually one of the highlights for Alloa on what was a a really really miserable day. So he's he's kind of shown that he can do it against. You, you know, the 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 best teams in the, the division. I agree with you. I thought he was he was he was quiet against against Falkirk, but then you look at the you look at the midweek game at home against Falkirk when he was he, he was excellent that day. So to me he's shown a bit that he can do it then. So I hope he does that, goes out, play play without any fear. Um, you know, the X ray throwers guy kind of thing. I hope he goes out with that mentality as well and looks to get one over on you know, and his, his his old team's rivals. And it would be brilliant. It'd be brilliant if he can get onto the score sheet because that's all that's been missing just now from him. You know, we've seen a lot of his, you know, we've seen a lot of his, his work off the ball. We've seen him a lot of work running with the ball. We've seen him providing, you know, kind of the pass before the assist on, um, on Saturday, for example. It's just now, you know, we've seen a couple of efforts from him that have been okay. Maybe a couple that have been a bit tame. It's just... Just that final piece now, just you know, getting getting that that goal scoring threat and 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 seeing him hit the back of the net would be great.
1: Yeah, I'd, going back to, to Strachan, who we've you know we've been impressed with him since he's come in as well. I think he's probably going to find himself back on the bench. Unfortunately for him, it's the way that we kind of want to set up, the way that we finished the game on on Saturday. It doesn't quite complement what he brings. You know, we spoke a lot about Strachan and Church and the amount of decent crosses that they put into the box. If you're going to sacrifice Salmon up front, then there's no point lumping crosses into the box because, you know, McKeever and Donnelly, that's not quite what they want. What Coulson does that Strachan doesn't is, you know, the amount of times that he just... The amount of yards that he gains, you know, his directness into the box, driving into the box... It's it's a completely different positiv positivity. Both are positive players but in a completely different different way. And like you say, Coulson, he direct, drives into the box and just cuts it back, you know, lifts his head, cuts it back and finds Donnelly, and that's how we get the goal, as opposed to Strachan, who puts in really dangerous looping balls. But if you're gonna go for a kinda of Donnelly, McKeever sort of straight force, Coulson is you know, he, he gives you a bit more in that sort of um tactics so it'll be interesting I think we'll be hard pushed to get a victory on Saturday I would hope that the team would have enough confidence to believe they can get it obviously I would I would take a draw and bite your hand off for that but I think it's going to be you know extremely difficult afternoon
0: yeah just touching on what you said about about Coulson there and the way he plays versus striking I think I think as well when you look at the opposition that that Coulson versus strike the Coulson side makes more sense against this opposition. I mentioned Benedictus before. Benedictus, for me, has been the best defender in in League One this year. Obviously, Sam Fisher, who, I mean, was... Certainly, he played well in the the game at the Rex against ourselves. And I think for the Aloe support, that was pretty much an unexpected performance. By all accounts, Sam Fisher then went on to have an excellent, excellent run of games. But he's obviously been recalled back to, to Dundee, they're, they've been fortunate that it's kind of coincided with Breen coming back from injury. Breen at the start of the season alongside Benedictus was very very solid at the back, and is it, playing well coming back in. So I think you look at you look at those centre halves that it's it's likely to be Benedictus and, and Breen, and I kind of think. What would they prefer? Would they prefer someone who is going to be, you know, getting down the line and swinging balls into the box and have them there to be defending them aerially, or would they prefer someone who's maybe out wide, cutting in, running at them, making them make decisions about what they need to do? Do they take that man? Do they? Do they? You know? Do they dive in? Do they follow the runner? I I think they'd be much more comfortable defending. Crosses coming into the box from out wide. Yeah, that's kind of uh, part of why I, I reckon that that more direct threat of of Coulson and getting him running at defenders at the likes of Benedictus and and really test Benedictus that way because we've not tested we've not tested the Dunfermline defence in that manner this season. We we have you know it's predominantly been balls from out wide that we've put into them and it's been pretty much bread and butter for them. So you know go with go with something different and give them something different to to think about and see how they how they react to that. In terms of how I think it's going to go, yes, I think it'll be a tough, a tough afternoon. Um, I'm still going to go for a one-one draw. I, I just have a feeling this week that we we are actually going to get something out of it. I think before this season, again, it's a place that we had a you know a really good recent record at, and that's kind of disappeared a little bit, or the feeling of it's disappeared a little bit this season. I think just on how well Dunfermline have done, not necessarily just against us, but at home in in general. But I still I, I still kind of cling to those kind of things. I think you know. I do think I, I just have a sneaky feeling we might get something out of it I, we could win we could win I don't think that's beyond the, the realms of possibility but I, I think it's it's unlikely you know but I do I just have a wee sneaky feeling we'll get something out of this game
1: yeah it would certainly change the the kind of perception of the so-called away form which I, I yeah. assume was touched upon again in the Pine and if you can go to notoriously the hardest place in the league and, and get something. So yeah, we'll we'll wait with with anticipation for that. And what you will get if you don't get a good performance and a good game is you'll get a decent pie because the bakery there the is outstanding. It's, so
0: it's steak it's steak uh steak Friday day It's steak bridery I'll be I'll be forgoing the pie for the week and it'll be the steak briday. Uh, Steven's isn't it? it. Uh,
1: Stevens yeah. bakery so Top, top tier. So, all failing on Saturday, at least you'll be well fed.
0: <laughs> That's all for this week's episode of the Wasteness Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Wasteness Pod. We'll be back again next week to review the game at East End Park and look ahead to our trip to face Edinburgh.